Hello, I'm M3, and this is my opinion for March 27th, 2018. Today, I'm going to recap and react to the events that occurred last night on WWE Monday Night Raw, as we're now 13 days away from WrestleMania. Well, today it's 12, last night 13. And the continued build towards some of the biggest matches, more tension being built amongst the women's division, and still left with that wondering question of when is The Undertaker coming back? But we're going to get started with the continued build up to Raw's main event for WrestleMania between the Universal Champion Brock Lesnar and his challenger, Roman Reigns. And Roman appeared uh, on uh, Raw, surprisingly, this week to confront Brock Lesnar as Brock and Paul were in the ring talking trash about the beating that uh, Brock gave Roman last week and what is to come at WrestleMania. And you can see now how they're going to try and play this off. You can see now the direction that they're going to go with uh, the Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar feud. Because at first, it was going to come off as, oh, he's this badass rebelling against uh, authority with Roman, how he was talking trash to how there there's no repercussions, no punishment toward Brock not being on Raw each and every single week and getting to run with his own schedule while everybody else has to listen to what they do. Then last week... They have him fighting back as he's, the police officers are trying to arrest him, only to be sitting there or as, as a lame duck for Brock Lesnar uh, to come in and beat him down while he's handcuffed with multiple chair shots, suplexes, and the F5. Even Brock coming back down after the beating to flip him off the stretcher. But this week you can see that they're going with a mindset of, all right, let's show Roman's tough. Let's show Roman's resilient. We, we posted the pictures uh, last week on social media of how beat up and, and how all bruised up Roman was from the beating that Brock Lesnar gave him. So this week what we're going to do is instead have him uh, show up, show his resiliency, and try and fight back. Only he got his ass kicked once again. Tried tried to bring a weapon into play. Brock countered that. Every Everything Roman tried to do to Brock Lesnar last night was countered. Whether it was attempting to use a steel chair. Trying to jump off the steps and do a Superman punch. Only to get superplexed on the outside. He uh, um, tried to use the steel steps. Only to then that uh, getting countered as well. So I mean, now they're trying to play this off as an against all odds kind of situation with Roman Reigns. And I'm not in favor of that. A couple of years ago, I was disappointed by their first match at WrestleMania 31 because the entire time Brock just beat down Roman until the last couple minutes before Seth interfered to cash in his money in the bank. That's when Roman... Uh, started to get some offense and and just kept doing nothing but Superman punching uh, Brock Lesnar. No, I want this to be more of a a back and forth kind of match at, at WrestleMania. Two badasses going up against each other because then that's the only way that you have 
you you make it feel real. You make it feel legitimate that Brock Lesnar went down to this guy and that the torch is is actually being passed to Roman Reigns. Not where if you just have him get obliterated the entire match and the, the entire story leading up to the match, only for Roman in the last couple minutes to come back and and fight back. You know, typically the same way they usually have John Cena do things and. The, it's obvious that you're not going to have him completely won over by the crowd um, by WrestleMania because they've tried to do this all in such a short time frame. If you wanted to start this whole, oh, Roman's a badass rather than, you know, cracking jokes and trying to have a comedy side to him, you should have started this, you know, six, eight months ago. Not right here uh, in the beginning of this storyline because it all just feels rushed and you no, know, it, it it feels forced upon the fans that hey, this is what we're uh, doing with Roman. You gotta live with it. That's why you no, know, the last two weeks, each time he's got him beaten down by Brock. Whether it was all the chair shots last week or this week, the steel steps to the face and then getting an F five on the steps. You had the crowd chanting, "You deserved it." At Roman, and you know it's probably going to be the same way at WrestleMania. You're not going to be able to change the fans' opinion because they feel like they're forced to cheer for Roman Reigns. I, for one, was glad to see the cruiserweights on Monday Night Raw last night. You know, it's it's been a while since we had seen the cruiserweight division participate in Monday Night Raw. It almost felt like they had officially branched off into their their own brand with 205 Live on Tuesday nights. But you know, one hour a week is not enough to feature these guys. And you get a little more of a buildup toward uh, what should be a great match at WrestleMania between Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali to finally determine a Cruiserweight champion. The title's been vacant since January when uh, Enzo Amore got fired by the company. And now the last two months they've been doing this 16-man tournament, which I like. It's, it's led to a less comedic side of 205 Live and more in-ring action, more matches, some storylines being built, branching out uh, that could develop into more after WrestleMania, after we have a new Cruiserweight Champion. But here you have... They're, they're playing this off as the heart versus the soul of uh, 205 Live at WrestleMania. And Cedric Alexander, I've long said, is, is going to be you know, the long-term guy when it comes to 205 Live. He's just got the whole package, got good charisma to him, a great athlete. In my opinion, the best overall wrestler on 205 Live. And... The, then there's an excitement factor, almost a daredevilish factor that Mustafa Ali brings to the table. And, you know, he, he's trying to play it off as the underdog that he's trying to step away from, you know, what people perceive him as, uh, trying to get uh, away from uh, the, uh, the stereotype because we've, we've seen uh, several wrestlers uh, of of his uh, race gets stereotyped in, in the past being uh, something that they're not. So he, he's trying to branch out, almost 
come across as, as an underdog here to um, Cedric Alexander. Now, last night, the two of them teamed up to go against Drew Gulak and to go against uh, TJP. And in the end, you saw um, a little bit of mind games, I guess you want to say, played by Mustafa Ali when he tagged in Cedric as Cedric was going for his finisher, the lumbar check, only to jump off the top rope and hit the 0-5-4 and steal uh, getting the pinfall victory from Cedric. And no, Cedric, at, at first, the competitiveness in him is is thinking, oh, what the hell? But then, you know, realizing, oh, that's one of his boys and that they're about to face off at WrestleMania. So it's kind of a little tip for tat there, but I'm glad the Cruiserweights got featured on Raw. They, I hope that this match is part of the main card at WrestleMania. I hope this is one of those situations where, oh, they put him on the two-hour pre-show beforehand because the building is only going to be half full during the pre-show. I, I hate that any match gets put on there in general, but the fact that this is the only match from let's face it, what's considered the third brand of WWE, I don't want it to get buried in the mix there. I think if you put it on the main show, give these guys about 20 minutes, they can put together a special match, a match that, while maybe it's not grabbing all the headlines like how Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar would or AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura or Ronda Rousey's debut. This is one of those matches that people can walk away from WrestleMania saying, hey, you remember that Cruiserweight title match at WrestleMania? That was awesome. Those two guys um, tore the house down uh, during that match. That, that was a fun match and look forward to seeing them face off again. So hopefully they don't get buried on the pre-show on April 8th. More drama continuing to build in the, the women's division, whether it be with Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax or now with Sasha and Bailey. With Alexa and Nia, you, you knew it was coming to this at some point. With the last eight months where Alexa has o- always been uh, kind of ordering Nia around, Nia kind of being her backup. At some point, Alexa was going to get caught with uh, talking trash about Nia Jackson. was going to come back to bite her in the rear end. Plus, Nia was going to want to be women's champion at, at some point. So, they, they're continuing the slow build toward this match at WrestleMania. Now, to the point where the fans are actually starting to cheer Nia Jax because Alexa Bliss has been an insufferable brat at times with her whining and complaining and talking down to other people. They see this, you know, five foot one blonde haired uh, woman, you know, acting like she uh, uh, has control over people, that she can talk down to other people. And then they see this, you know, this larger woman, this this uh, woman who's just been a dominant machine, rolling, oh, completely just rolling over people. It's had enough of their crap, and they realize, oh, this is finally the time. Alexa is finally going to get hers. So, uh, the the build for this ha- has been almost sort of predictable. Where no, Alexa is gonna sick her. Her backup, Mickey James, on her, hoping that it weakens her up for WrestleMania, only to see that she gets beat down by Nia and Alexa predictably uh, 
attacks her from behind after the match, but runs like a coward because they they want to leave you waiting for it. They want to leave you waiting for the moment that Alexa finally gets hers and and finally gets beaten down by Nia Jax and has the women's championship taken from her. Elsewhere in the women's division, oh boy, the tension is really getting hot between uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey to the point now where it, it got physical last night where uh, Bailey's still complaining about Sasha eliminating her from the Rumble and kicking her off the pod at the Elimination Chamber, still not realizing that it's every woman for themselves. I mean, what, what is Sasha supposed to do? Sa- Sasha wants to win the match as much as Bailey w- wants to. And no, that she found an opportune time to take advantage of their friendship there. It's not personal. It's just business for her. But Bailey is taking all of this way too personal. And they made things even more personal last night when they got in that war of words backstage in the locker room. To the point where uh, Bailey's saying to Sasha, you're, you're afraid that you can't beat me. Sasha brings up how she's a four-time women's champion. And then Bailey then instigates things by uh, informing Sasha of how she, when she's women's champion, she usually doesn't hold the title for long and has never successfully defending it. it finally leading to Sasha snapping throwing her at the locker, and they get in a back-and-forth fight there. But the weird thing about this, though, is that they get in the fight, it, it seems like the locker room, and all of a sudden, they walk three feet away, and you see that the lockers are all in the middle of some hallway where it... it, it almost looks like the locker room's in a garage or something. How did... That didn't make much sense to me there, how you're going to have them fighting in front of lockers, and then all of a sudden it looks like they're they're fighting in front of catering or in front of some garage door there. Just uh, did not make much sense about the setup of the scene there. But, hey, at least it finally happened. At least it, it, it finally broke down between these two. I don't think it's going to lead to a match at WrestleMania one-on-one between the two of them, although that that would be great. That would be a great breakthrough for women's wrestling with having the first non-championship women's singles match to take place at a WrestleMania. But they're going to have give this a little longer build so it gets the marquee it deserves, gets the attention it deserves at, you know, whether it's their next pay-per-view or the pay-per-view after that, to have these two finally go one-on-one. What you probably see happening is they'll both be in the women's battle royal at WrestleMania, and one of them will eliminate the other just to really have this tension at an all-time high and quite possibly end their on-screen friendship. Interesting way that they went about the... Continued build toward the Triple Threat Intercontinental Championship match at WrestleMania with having another Miz TV segment in which Seth Rollins and Finn Balor were going to be the guests on. Only they tried to build a little tension there between Miz and the Miz Taraj where um, Bo Dallas made it seem like that 
oh, the Miz uh, can't do anything without them, that Miz made it seem like those two are useless, and got to the point where Bo Dallas even referred to Miz as a fake A-lister and a phony fighter, uh, leading to it seemed like those two were going to fight, Miz trying to cool things down, between the two of them, saying that he was only 34 days away from being the longest reigning cumulative intercontinental champion ever, going as far as saying that he would be better intercontinental champion than, you know, Macho Man Savage, better than Shawn Michaels, even going as far as saying he'd be better than Mr. Perfect. And, of course, that that raises the ire of Curtis Axel being the son of Mr. Perfect. So it made it seem like, no, things were going to explode amongst uh, the uh, Miz and Miz Taraz, only for them to all turn around and start a three-versus-two beatdown over Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. They eventually got some help when the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, came down to uh, save Finn Balor from getting a, a skull crushing finale from The Miz. And then that left The Miz a sitting duck to get beat up by both Seth Rollins and Finn Balor, only to escape before he getting the curb stomp. But he continues to either instigate problems between the two of them, tr- uh, trick them into thinking that, oh, he. He's going to break up with the Miz-Taraz only to try and gain an advantage over them. And, the, you know, that's what the Miz does. That's the Miz's deal here. That's why he's so successful as a heel to get that kind of heat, to to be that uh, annoying kind of uh, personality here and, and ha- have you just look forward to the point where one of them eventually give him what he deserves and and that's not just losing the intercontinental title but an ass kicking in the process but he's been successful in doing what his plan has been and that's to create tension between Seth Rollins and Finn Balor so that they're so focused on fighting each other at WrestleMania so focused of tearing each other's heads off that he can sneak in and, and get the victory when they're not thinking about well played by the Miz so so perfectly played there by uh, uh, the Miz. And now it's leading to um, a match on Raw next week between these two guys, a rematch of their match a couple weeks ago. Seth uh, been asking for this ever since the, the match due to the way that he lost after giving Finn the superplex and Finn quickly rolled up into a cradle and get uh, a sneaky victory over Seth there. And you you see the tension build between these two because they both wanted to hold up the Intercontinental title, signifying they're going to be the champ at WrestleMania, even uh, leading Finn Balor to uh, cracking Seth across the head with the Intercontinental Championship. But, hey, Miz's mind games have been successful with these two. They want to fight each other. They want to get at it. And it may lead to a perfect opportunity for Miz to sneak in and steal the victory at WrestleMania when the odds are seemingly all against him.
I'm looking forward to this Raw Tag Team title match at WrestleMania featuring The Bar, Sheamus and Cesaro, our current Raw Tag Champions, defending against Braun Strowman and whoever his mystery tag partner is because they're going to just keep playing this out, making us wonder who's going to be that partner because Braun doesn't have any friends. He keeps beating up everybody. He... he the only time he's ever had a tag team partner is in the Mixed Match Challenge Tournament when he was teamed with Alexa Bliss. And now he's got to pick one of the guys to be his teammate. And he's had more enemies than um, you can count since he debuted uh, just a couple of years ago. He, he's been a hard guy to team with. That's why it's been a wonder that no, Kurt Angle or whoever the GM has been at the time of Survivor Series has been able to get him on the same page with Team Raw in order to team up uh, with the rest of them. And, you know, they, they keep you making you wait for making you wonder, is this the week that Braun Strowman's tag team partner shows up? Is this the week that we find out who he's going to team with at WrestleMania? Only leaving you to question more and more who it's been. I, I think, personally, it's going to be a formal rival of his. I could see, you now if the big show's healthy, maybe he um, is the guy. Or, you now if Kane is part of WrestleMania, maybe he could be the guy. Or, or if Samoa Joe comes back from an injury, maybe he's the one to tame with Braun Strowman. But I, I just can't seemingly figure out who it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be Elias, who he has had fun beating up over the last couple months. The direction I see Elias going in at WrestleMania, I do think they're going to have a segment where Elias is in the middle of the ring doing one of his performances, doing one of his concerts, make it look like or act like in his mind that he's the reason that the Superdome is sold out for WrestleMania, only for whether it be a legend that's getting inducted in the Hall of Fame or a legend from the past that we haven't seen in a while come out and confront him. Uh, here, here's an idea. Remember, you know, Jeff Jarrett's main gimmick in WWE was how he was a guitar player, how he was uh, uh, a performer. Maybe after he gets inducted in the Hall of Fame two nights before WrestleMania on April 6th, maybe they have him appear as part of WrestleMania and he confronts Elias and tr tries to do a guitar performance of his own. Or maybe one of the other legends, maybe Goldberg sh uh, shows up in his ring gear and just decides to come out and beat up Elias. You know, something that you have Elias come out and piss the crowd off, but... In the, in the end, he gets beat up, and it, it leads to more with Elias because it leads to him being more disgruntled after WrestleMania, not getting his performance and, and ha feeling like his night was ruined by a star of the past. And finally, they, ma they make us wait all night for it, but the main event that they had been promoting all week long John Cena versus Kane. Only twist here is they added during the night that this match would be a no disqualification match between the two. And no, remember last week, uh, 
John Cena was calling out The Undertaker, has continued to call out The Undertaker, has made this personal by bringing up real life stuff such as his workout videos being posted on in his wife's Instagram page or calling him a coward for not sending him a sign and not answering his challenge yet. Think, thinking that Kane answering his challenge was a sign yet. That wasn't a sign. That was just Kane going rogue deciding uh, that he he wanted to beat up John Cena and beat his brother to the chase if The Undertaker even has any envisions of coming back. But uh, they ha- have this match, main, put it as the main event of Raw, had several moments where they made Cena look good by having it Kane just destroy him by fighting him through the crowd, suplexing him on that guardrail, which I got to think that wasn't made of actual steel with the way that thing bent like that. Even now you got one guy in, in John Cena who's you know, 240 pounds being suplexed by a guy in Kane who's over 300 pounds in his own right. It, still, even with that kind of weight coming down, I don't think that's... Uh, going to cause that thing to bend like that even no they get in the crowd all riled up because they always want tables involved in every match and you know, Braun, Braun I mean not Braun Strowman Kane throws John Cena uh, face first into uh, one of the tables before uh, Cena gives Kane the attitude adjustment through another but the real story of this match is how during it Cena kept taunting and trying to egg on the undertaker to either come out or come answer his challenge whether it was when Kane had knocked Cena down and uh, was taking uh, the turnbuckle padding off uh, Cena sat up like the undertaker would or after he had thrown him into the corner to get hit by the exposed turnbuckle Cena did the the Undertaker throat slash taunt and actually choke slam Kane. The funniest part about that is, is I was surprised he was able to choke slam Kane. And then Kane's reaction to it. Kane kicked out of it like so matter of factly. Like, wait a minute, are you kidding me? Like the look on his face after he kicked out of it. Go back and watch. Look on his face was like, wait, hold on. It's one thing if the Big Show or if the Undertaker choke slam me and they pin me in the match, but you're gonna have a guy that's, you know, seventy pounds less than me, and about five to six inches shorter than me, choke slam me and try and beat me. No freaking way am I putting up with that. Now, eventually, seeing a did uh, go over Kane with the attitude adjustment through the table, and it led to more of Cena calling out, demanding an answer from The Undertaker, demanding some kind of sign, whether it be the lights flickering, the gong going off, even a lightning bolt, although we know that's gonna not going to happen because WWE has gotten rid of Pyro done last summer, which is still kind of weird to me that there's no Pyro. Like, Every time Kane comes out, I'm expecting the fire to come up. Uh, it's still weird he comes out to the ring and doesn't raise the arms and drop them for the fire to come out of the turnbuckle post. That that stuff I miss. Hopefully they'll have Pyro involved in WrestleMania because that, that would feel weird not having that part of it. But um, they continue to play off the storyline of 
of John Cena uh, calling out The Undertaker, trying to uh, play off his ego, trying to goat him into doing this. And you know at some point The Undertaker is coming. The Undertaker, They wouldn't be doing this if Vince didn't already have confirmation weeks and months ago that The Undertaker would agree to participate in WrestleMania this year. So it's interesting the way they've gone about this, the fact that They've built up all these other storylines, but then this main story between two guys that, uh, if you have to say there's like a Mount Rushmore of WrestleMania, Undertaker's definitely on there. Cena might be right there on the edge, uh, uh, hanging out, waiting for a spot on the proverbial WrestleMania Mount Rushmore. But uh, the the fact that they they're gonna wait till the possibly the last week and have the Undertaker show up and accept the challenge uh, that's an interesting way to go about this all of uh, building toward what is gonna be one of the more anticipated matches at WrestleMania. Now, of course, we can't conclude this podcast and, uh, uh, until we talk about the continued buildup toward what has got to be, if it's not the most anticipated match for WrestleMania, it's one of the more anticipated matches. And that's the debut of Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania when she teams with Kurt Angle to go up against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. You realize this is the first time that Triple H and Stephanie are teaming together as an actual married couple for a match. The last time they teamed together for a match was back in April of 2001 when they teamed together for a six-person tag match along with Stone Cold Steve Austin against the Hardy Boys and Lita on on an, an April edition of Monday Night Raw. And that was back when Triple H and Stephanie were only a married couple in the storyline. Now, they, they, interesting how they've played this off because we have not seen them all together on TV, um, at least in the arena together, since the night this match was announced. Since the night that Ronda beat up Stephanie, Kurt uh, caused Triple H to limp away from the ring with how long he had the ankle lock in there. Uh, the first actual physical confrontation between these four, they, they've been somewhat separated uh, since that point. Ronda's made a couple of appearances here and there, but you haven't heard much from Triple H or Stephanie until last night when they showed the video package of them training together. And that for one, if you pay attention to them both on Instagram or Twitter, they're always posting workout videos of, of them working out at midnight after they, they get done with the work for that night. So it, it's nothing to be surprised about. Triple H, even at his age, is still in phenomenal shape. And even after having three kids, Stephanie has gotten herself into uh, great athletic shape as well but they want to build this up and make you think that oh Stephanie stands a chance in hell going up against Ronda Rousey because you know it will be a when Kurt and and Triple H are in there you know it will be a back and forth fight between the two of them but they want to make it seem believable that Stephanie McMahon uh, while she's been women's champion in the past this executive uh, who doesn't wrestle much can beat or be competitive against what's widely considered the baddest chick on the planet in Ronda Rousey. Now, 
part of what's helping the cause is not just this promo video last night of showing uh, of Stephanie talking about how they make the rules here, that this is their business, this is a new arena that um, Rhonda's coming into a new uh, sport, should we say, that she's getting involved in, and that this uh, is in their blood as far as wrestling goes. But uh, uh, what's also helping is Rhonda's week in, week out reaction. I mean, she's still fangirling it out when she comes out to the ring each week. The only the only time she has it is the night after Elimination Chamber when she charged the ring. That's the only time you've seen that Ron that real Rhonda Rousey look on her face of anger when she charged the ring. Uh, looking to retaliate against Stephanie for slapping her in the face at Elimination Chamber uh, a month ago. But now uh, each week, Rhonda comes out smiling with the happy face on, look on her face. uh, Like, we know she's always been a fan of this all her life. And at some point after her mixed martial arts career, she knew she was going to do this. But at some point, to set up how real she is about being a a fighter in pro wrestling. She's got to be coming out each week with that Ronda Rousey scowl back on her face. That same look we saw on her face every single time she exited her locker room in UFC uh, coming to the octagon to prepare for her match. One interesting thing they did last night, and that could be a sign of things to come for a match in the future, was when Absolution came and confronted them, confronted her and Kurt Angle in the ring. Now, I was almost hurt and getting heartache when I saw her beat up the beautiful Mandy Rose. I mean, that that that, that woman... Uh, the, to see her in such pain on her arm, uh, I was actually concerned for Mandy at, at, at one point, wondering, oh my God, did she cause any harm to Mandy? That, that's something we can't have there. But uh, the, it set up a possible future match with Sonya, with both of them having the MMA background there. So that that is something that they could do if Stephanie is not able to counteract Ronda Rousey. I'm M3, and this is my opinion on WWE Monday Night Raw for March uh, 27th, 2018. I'll be back more later this week with more of my previews for Major League Baseball season coming up starting on Thursday. For now, everybody have a great day.